Welcome to From My Lens Podcast, where I talk about mindfulness, sustainable lifestyle, and how to be location independent. I also invite digital nomads and entrepreneurs to share their expertise and knowledge. Today, I have a special guest talking and sharing her views on sustainable lifestyle and fashion. Banda Tavari is a lifestyle editor, sustainable activist, and a formerly editor-at-large, as well as a fashion director of Vogue India. For 13 years, Tavari has reported on the socio-political role of fashion, until stepping down from her role at Vogue to focus her efforts on advocating for change within the industry. In 2006, she was named Fashion Journalist of the Year at the Fashion Awards in India before moving to Bali, where she is now based. She also served at a stint presenting a pop culture fashion TV show and has also been on TEDx talking about sustainability, fashion, and consumption. Following her Vogue departure, Tavari now serves as a special advisor to Global Fashion Agenda, became a judge for the H&M Foundation's Global Change Award, and is a regular contributor to the business of fashion. Please help me welcome Ms. Banda Tavari. How are you today? I am very good, Gargi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. <laughs> and I want to say hello to everyone from a sunny day in Bali, where I live. <laughs> awesome. And so just starting off, what made you step into the world of being a sustainable activist and walk us through your journey towards how you started focusing completely on um, advocating for change in the fashion industry and otherwise. Right. Um, it was it was a long journey because you know as as you would know I was with Vogue India for thirteen years and had an absolute blast with all the privileges of high fashion, the excitement, mm -hmm. being at the forefront of yeah. opening up a country like India to the luxury market in in alignment with, with the Western world, so to speak, and being part of that journey when India really opened up its luxury sector. Right. So I was really, really lucky to be at the forefront of interviewing and bringing narratives um, about designers from all over the world, yeah. which included everyone from Carla Gutel to John Galliano mm -hmm. to Jean-Paul Gaultier to, of course, our extraordinary Indian designers too. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really exciting times, and I felt very lucky to have been given this privilege to participate so wholeheartedly. Yes. But through the years, and you, you know, you are of Indian descent, and you've been to India several times. Of course, there yeah. is no doubt that uh, you do get a stinging sense of guilt ever so often if you are aware and conscious mm -hmm. of where you live and how you operate within your environment. That on the very street that has billionaires also has slums, yeah, people stuck in poverty, right? And so it was a very personal journey for me. It has nothing to take away or finger point the industry person say mm -hmm. it was my own sense of realization that how could I possibly continue to feed into a market that was so affluent and so privileged for a very small percentage of people and for the rest they were <laughs> almost invisible exactly yeah. and 
so just buying things, acquiring things, following what I call this global consumerist agenda of bigger is better, faster, not fewer. Mm-hmm. All of that started getting under my skin. And I really started thinking about what the value of money really means. Right. Someone can spend $5,000 on a luxury handbag, but that very person would not think of putting $5,000 into a charitable cause that will affect change for children's education mm-hmm. or electric power to a small village. So I almost felt like, do you not know how much value your money has? So instead of doing this with your money, why couldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, these are all my in, inner rumblings. Uh, I really didn't voice it, but it was something that I wondered about all the time towards the back end of my uh, my 13 years in the fashion business. Mm-hmm. And I guess when I moved to Bali, I'm a single mother. I have an amazing daughter. Her name is Myra. She's yeah. a singer, she's a musician. And two of us decided to leave Bombay and move to Bali so she could have a chance to study in a sustainable school called the Green School, which right. is built all out of sustainable bamboo and paddy fields. Mm-hmm. It's farm to table food. Um, all the children there talk about social causes and how their professions are going to be defined by how they're going to change lives of others, not just their own. And so the environment changed very quickly for me. And you just surrounded by nature here. I lived for four years in Ubud. Yes. Spectacular nature around you. You walk barefoot, whether you are a prince or a pauper. Yeah. Uh, you uh, you enjoy and savor nature in the way I never got to living in a bustling city like Bombay. Yeah. And so you become very connected to nature, the mm-hmm. environment, and everyone around you, somehow or the other, whether it's a sixth grader to um, family who's arrived from Canada, let's say, yeah. they all seem to be there or have moved mm-hmm. because they want a change in ideology. Yeah, and to be more closer so, to nature, right? Closer to nature, and when you're close to nature, then there's no going back. Yeah, you are definitely. Appalled. You're appalled when rivers are polluted, when oceans yeah. are polluted, when animals are killed ruthlessly, mm-hmm. when consumerism doesn't take into account all the people who make things who are far-flung poorer nations like Bangladesh, Cambodia, and Vietnam. And all we see and think about fashion is sort of ends and begins with the image of a beautiful woman wearing a beautiful gown on a ramp. Right, that's exactly it, yeah. And no one talks about the backstory, no one Mm -hmm. talks about the many, many hands that have touched child labor yeah so um it was a natural shift for me Mm -hmm. and um i suppose the turning point for my shift was somehow i started researching gandhi's philosophy of living yes a wholesome life an authentic life when i came to bali and i prepared a speech which was about fashion and gandhi and that changed the course of my life because it's a very powerful um, talk mm-hmm. on how we can continue to use Gandhian principles. And how is that? Well, Gandhi lived by certain principles, right? And Gandhi was a dandy. Yeah. He wanted to be an English gentleman all his life. Mm-hmm. He went to England to be a lawyer. He dressed up in three-piece suits. Didn't in- identify very much with the idea of Indian heritage or Indian sartorial heritage. Yeah. He just wanted to be an English gentleman. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's so funny. 
dedicated to be a lawyer. But yeah, yeah. I've, I've done. Um, if you're interested, there's a TEDx talk I've done. Yeah. Which pretty much uh, encapsulates Gandhi's journey, what I call the sartorial journey. Right. Uh, that changed and formulated his philosophy. Mm-hmm. That uh, that, as we all know, finally allowed India to gain independence without warfare. Right. And so, so just going back to Gandhi, when he goes to uh, South Africa to practice law mm-hmm. after he studied law in, in England, um, he realizes that the Indians living there, the indentured laborers, had no rights, very marginalized by a very corrupt, bigoted government of South Africa at that time. And there he starts standing up for the rights of the poorer people. Right. And this happens as a turning point when he, in his three-piece suit, in his three-piece Western suit with his first-class ticket, is booted out of a train in South Africa. And then he realizes that his money didn't matter, his right. status didn't matter. Right. The fact that he was Indian was the one element that would marginalize him from the rest and so he fought for the rights of the indentured laborers. And when he did that, he changed his garments mm-hmm. from the three-piece suit to what's called the morning robe, which is the white kutta and the white dhoti, mm-hmm. the white sarong. Mm-hmm. And that was a big turning point, sartorially, in his commitment to stand up for the poorer communities, the marginalized communities of the world. But when he goes to India, and he travels the length and breadth of the country and realizes that India is in the throes of colonial grip and has been completely ambushed and looted and pillaged by uh, the British colonizers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's when the Khadi movement starts. The Khadi movement is yeah, asking exactly. Indians all over the country yeah. don't buy the clothes that are made in England because mm-hmm. what the colonizers did were, was they would take the cotton grown in India was grown abundantly. Right. They would take the cotton buy very cheaply, send them to the mills in Lancashire and other parts of England. Yes. Turn them into what we perhaps call called fast fashion now. Yes. Send them back to India and sell at high margins. Mm-hmm. This killed the village economy, it killed the textile economy, mm-hmm. it turned rich village economies uh, it, it drove them into poverty. Right. And so a very affluent country like India mm-hmm. that was looted for 200 years by the British was became poor overnight. Right. And so the Khadi movement was a call for civil disobedience, for a call for self-reliance. And he said, weave your own cloth and don't wear the cloth that comes from England as mm-hmm. an act of political defiance. Right. And thousands and thousands. Millions and millions of people in India did just that, mm-hmm. and that changed the course of history. Right. The factories in England came to a grinding halt. Then the talks of independence started, and the rest of it is history. And we do get independence. But the role of clothing was made so evident by Mahatma Gandhi mm-hmm. because when he realized, that when he called out to a nation to say, "Burn the clothes that come from England mm-hmm. and take." spindle and weave your own cloth, he realized that the poor of the poor didn't even have clothes to burn. Because they didn't have <laughs> any clothes. Yeah. Leave alone burn. 
and at that time he felt that he was really not authentic in his journey still yeah that he really didn't understand the plight of the poorest of the poor and that's when he gives up the kutta and the dhoti and then he wears the loincloth okay small simple khadi fabric around yes. his waist bare chested the image that always comes to our mind when we think of gandhi yes. in fact when he went to england to sit and talk about india's independence with with winston churchill mm-hmm. churchill said he referred to gandhi as that half naked fakir right the poorest of the poor mm-hmm. and gandhi took that as, as a compliment. compliment because he said now you know that what i wear is evident to the world what my moral transparency is all about and that what i wear tells you who i identify with in the world the poorest of the poor so he took being called fakir as a compliment that is a sartorial journey of integrity right. that what you wear on yourself says a lot about you your ideology mm-hmm. your philosophy and how you are connected to the environment and the people around you absolutely so for me that was a very very compelling story and when i wrote that talk um i was invited to different countries amazing cities all over the world yeah. like berlin stockholm copenhagen sydney Melbourne, Jakarta, you name it. Mm-hmm. And I just started talking about Gandhi's principles. Right. And it was natural shift to being an activist. Yeah. Because that's what Gandhi wanted. He wanted exactly. each, each individual to be an activist. Right. For, by taking personal mm-hmm. responsibility for social change. Mm-hmm. Not always relying on the government. Not always relying on policies or the other person. Right. Uh, taking personal accountability. And for me, that was a big step. Of taking that accountability right and sorry just to jump uh jump here um what are if somebody does especially with what's happening right now in our current situation covid um what do you think the future is going to be like now um and how can people who want to go sustainable and what tip or advice would you give them like how do you go about doing that i'd go back to what gandhi believed in right that we can all imbibe So one of the principles he truly believed in is called ahimsa mm-hmm. which means non-violence mm-hmm. non-violence in thoughts deeds and actions right in fact he himself said that ahimsa or non-violence is not a garment that you put on and off at will mm-hmm. its seat is in the heart and should always be there so what this means is if philosophically ideologically as a human being if you intrinsically believe in non-violence right towards things towards animals towards mm-hmm. people towards mm-hmm. environment if mm-hmm. that is a true belief that's a great starting point for personal responsibility right that's and incredible it may sound esoteric mm-hmm. but it really calls out to the compassion of humanity that within us mm-hmm. there is the capacity the propensity to look beyond ourselves and mm-hmm. see the interconnectedness between each one of us and the universe even on just the earth. Mm-hmm. Um so that for me was extremely powerful. And right. then there are other principles believed in whether it's sarvodaya or paragriha which talks about whether it's welfare for all but you cannot just think about yourself as being the flourishing person who benefits from all the resources that come to this to your lap. Right. You know the environment cannot be pillaged to the extent that um 
we are only takers and yeah. not givers. Not givers, absolutely. So the idea that as an environmentalist, as a human being, mm-hmm. we need to understand that we are mere custodians of the environment, that we are not owners of the environment, and that we need to pass this down to other generations. These are beliefs that we need to revisit, however abstract they may sound. How do we... It's not right. that we need to revisit them, repackage them, re- mm-hmm. reintroduce them into schools and universities and into our thought leaders. Right. Um, how about somebody like who is obviously who does not know who Gandhi is and uh, some of our listeners who come from that Western region and stuff, how... How does somebody, um, you know, what are some creative ways to live more sustainably? Like, what, what would you yeah. think of? Yeah. Um. Well, I <laughs> keep talking about loss, but it's really become a hashtag. It's called shopping. Right. Um. I, I live in <laughs> Bali, where people from all over the world. We get millions of visitors who come from just name any country. They're here because they want to be on a cleanse. Hmm. They usually come from yoga and Ayurveda, juice diets, um, anything to cleanse your system. Right. Yet we don't think about cleansing our closets. Exactly, that's so weird. (laughs) We don't think about going, we go on diets to cleanse our systems. We're not our clothes. But we don't go on shopping diets to cleanse what we put on our bodies every day. Yeah. So one thing to do yoga that is all about mindfulness and connecting with, with Mother Earth. At the same time, you're wearing polyester Lululemons. <laughs> that if you have that's hilarious. It sweet, yeah, probably draw a bottle of oil from it. But these are all excavated from our Earth. Wow. So yeah. There is there is a dichotomy in the way we think about how we live and what we think about the environment. Mm-hmm. How we live, we think we're living mi- mindfully. But you're still making those purchase, purchases mm-hmm. that are detrimental to our environment. Environment. So where is mm-hmm. the connect? If you want to be a holistic person, then what you wear on your body should matter as much as what you ingest in your body as food. Right. Or ingest in your mind as emotions and thoughts. So it has to be a holistic approach in my opinion. No, I completely agree with that. And and I think I would I think I would definitely love to practice that myself now. Um, another approach, another question to you was, a lot of people have also been, you know, throwing plastics, buying things which are in plastic. What happens to all of that? Because where, where do they go? Like, even if you try to chuck them somewhere or, I don't know, dispose them, there's, they still exist. Like, are they ever, are, can we ever get rid of them? Well, you know, there is no away in throwing away right things don't disappear yeah it goes somewhere mm-hmm. whether it is a plastic tube a plastic bottle mm-hmm. uh you think of the smallest things your mascara that you've finished yeah um every bottle cap you name it right it goes somewhere and unfortunately because of our waterways because of the landfills that mm-hmm. are being overfilled most of the plastic is going into the oceans most of the clothes are going into landfills uh, which is polluting the earth to the extent that you can well imagine because every second one garbage truck full of clothes are disposed in landfills or incinerated, polluting in both ways. That's every second. So if you were living in 
New York and you looked up at the Empire State Building, that is one and a half Empire State Buildings a day full of disposed jokes <clears throat> that go into a landfill. If you're in Sydney, that is the whole of Sydney Harbour that's filled with disposed goods and clothes in a year. Right. So that is just the, if you see the scale of the amount of waste that comes from our consumerist habits mm -hmm. because of fast fashion, because uh, we are addicted to what I call the heroin of novelty. Right. You have to have a new thing all the time. Mm -hmm. And that causing so much damage to the environment. We need to be aware. And I think one of the best things that came out of COVID is that right. people really sat to talk about sustainability. Absolutely. And really see the bigger picture, bigger picture that every person has a carbon footprint mm -hmm. that is detrimental to the environment. And every person has the opportunity to decrease that carbon footprint right. in order to protect the environment. Um, when you say that, what are some some top five or you know top three uh, suggestions? Can you even think of like if somebody can decrease it, how how do we decrease it? Like just on a daily basis, on our everyday life, in our everyday life. Hasn't COVID taught us already that we can live with less? Right, exactly. We were living in a world, especially people who love fashion, mm -hmm. and especially for women. Think about it. Yeah. In one day, we are almost told to be five types of women. Right. When I'm at <laughs> home, I'm wearing something. When I go to work, I'm supposed to look the part as a working woman. Right. When I have to go for a cocktail party, then I have my cocktail outfit to wear. Mm -hmm. Then I go down for a sit-down dinner, I have my sit-down dinner. If I'm going to school to pick up my child, I have to look like a mother. We are being told to be that many personalities so I can buy more to sort of divide my personality into so many brackets. Right. When during COVID, we're pretty much living in one garment through the day mm -hmm. and doing the kind of work or better work than we, we did before COVID. Absolutely. It is, you, it is you sitting at home, perhaps cooking more at home, right. eating healthier, mm -hmm. consuming less. Exactly. Are you concerned about where your organic food is coming from? Yes. Are looking and revisiting your closet, mm -hmm. reinventing your closet because you just can't run into a shop now. <laughs> no, you can't even go anywhere, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we already know that we can have a beautiful way of living frugally yeah. where we don't need too much. Mm -hmm. So my advice to people who want to be on a sustainable journey is... Right. Just like intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. go on intermittent uh, in intermittent shopping diets. I love that. We don't want to not buy. We have to fuel and feed millions of people who rely on this industry for their livelihoods. So this is not a call out not to shop at all. But shop intermittently. Shop for things that have value. If you have to pay two more dollars, three more dollars for something that is beautiful, as opposed to something that looks sort of equally beautiful but is way cheaper, mm -hmm. please remember that every cheap thing that you buy, someone else is paying the cost for it somewhere else in the world. Right. It's not as affluent as you. Absolutely. It doesn't sit in a well-polished, western, gentrified world, but it's creating and manufacturing in sweatshops and factory floors in places like Bangladesh, India, 
Indonesia, Cambodia, Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So be aware of where clothes are coming from. Right. Be aware that fair wages have to be given to people. You should be aware where your money is going. Exactly. It's your hard money, hard earned money. Mm -hmm. You have the power of your own wallet. Don't squander that power. Today you can go and check online or on Instagram immediately what a brand stands for, what their CSR activity is, what fabrics they're using, how do they give back to their communities. All that is accessible with, in your, on your smartphones. Right. So do not, do not buy like an unthinking person. Buy keeping the whole supply chain in mind. Exactly. I that's think that's such a brilliant way, idea. If you're paying $2.99 mm -hmm. for one t-shirt, that actually has to travel to five different countries to be made, which happens most of the times. Mm -hmm. The cotton is grown in one country, then it's beaten into yarn in another country, then it's turned into fabric in another country, then it's sent to another country for it to be cut into turn and turned into t-shirts. It goes through systems and countries, and there we are paying $2.99 for it. How is that a fair system? Someone is paying for it. Yeah. So we as consumers need to be aware of how things are being made. Right. What's the backstory of your favorite clothes? Dig into it. Right. Exactly. I agree. For nonsense. We should be doing this for the clothes that we choose to buy with our own hard-earned money. So the power of the wallet for me is crucial to making changes and shifts in the way we look consciously mm -hmm. at our consumption. Um, and what are some of the brands, can you name, um, that are sustainable that we could even look at and consider to purchase that would be good? Everyone's in different countries. So if mm -hmm. I take brand names in India or Indonesia, I, I wouldn't want to get to that, not because I don't want to call out oh, yeah, sure. wonderful brands that have, um, are doing amazing jobs. But for me, the idea is that you do your research. Mm -hmm. Today, we are all stuck within boundaries, right? Right. Uh, we have to dig into our own backyard for whatever we need. Exactly. Whether it's the vegetables we're buying or the pop-up store that's going to come up that you can visit with social distancing. Um, discovering brands that have already existed in your environment that were made and sort of imagined from the culture of your own land that you live in. This is a great time to see which are the Canadian brands. Yeah, which definitely. Are the, which are the brands within your own state mm -hmm. that have been working tirelessly? They could be small brands. Because now, let's discover what's within our own neighborhoods and our own cities because yeah. we are stuck for a while. And let us celebrate and deep dive into our own cultural heritage mm -hmm. of places that we stay in and participate to buy locally support locally that's exactly support small businesses yeah small businesses that's what they need right now and this couldn't be a better time for you to be a champion of crafts champion of handmade yeah champion of your local communities of designers this couldn't be a better way for individual uh, responsibility accountability and action so let's not of course that's that's powerful. Do I not want an amazing, mm -hmm. amazing handmade brand from Mexico Yes, I do. But right now, it's not feasible. Yeah. But do you think there's not handmade brands here in Bali that have been created by weavers, the Ikat weavers, you know, that's just down the road, two kilometers away from me, where I can go and see how they're making it, and I can buy the fabric and turn it into a jacket? 
this is a great time for local participation. Right. And you'll find a lot of brands that care for the environment yes, in absolutely. their own way. And you should participate in that. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's, um, I definitely agree with that. And I think I'm definitely going to, after this podcast, um, every time I feel like I want to purchase something, I think it's a great way to look at it. What you just said, you need to think of the whole chain cycle, right? Um, what your impact, how you're impacting and what you're doing to further damage our planet. Um, just kind of finishing off here, I just wanted to ask, um, is there any sort of um downside to sustainable fashion can you think of right now you put everything online right uh there's incredible websites the ellen MacArthur foundation mm -hmm. uh circular fashion um there are courses that you can take online um that will just take three weeks of your time will give you an incredible understanding of uh, sustainability right right the thing with sustainability is it's it's really exciting times to dive into this topic mm -hmm. because we cannot possibly move forward and the covid has been a huge reminder Definitely. climate crisis has been yeah. a huge reminder we cannot move forward without thinking of anything that we do in our lives right whichever profession you're in okay mm -hmm. without taking the environment into consideration Absolutely. because as they say there's no business to be done in a dead planet so if you keep that in the back <laughs> of your mind yeah then the resources are out there i don't even need to take you just google yeah we, we google everything they're amazing and some are localized for your region right um, you don't necessarily have to be the the fashion sustainability champion. Mm -hmm. You could be an ocean sustainability champion. Yeah. You could stand for rivers. You could stand for but do something. Exactly. I Just make some sort of that is. difference. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And um what impact would you like to make in this world? Well that'd be very pompous of me to I don't think I could make an impact. All I can do is, as I said, take a certain amount of personal responsibility and do something that hopefully can affect change. Right. Instead of me just sitting there and thinking that I'm powerless, that I'm invisible. I do live in Bali. I'm living in a forest. I'm disconnected pretty much from the hustle and bustle of big cities, the yes. controlled fashion, fashion industry. But th thanks to social media and men and women like you, who hear my voice through small platforms that I have on social media, like Instagram, reaching out and say, tell me your truth. What do you stand for? That encouraged me to be vocal about how I feel and what message I want to pass on to, to the younger people, mm -hmm. to adults, and that's the least I can do. Exactly. So I do my own research, I find new ways of talking about sustainability. Right. I'm very keen now to develop uh, a talk on digital sustainability mm -hmm. because we are all now moving so fast into an online zone because we are all separated offline. Yeah. Uh, so I find that taking just personal responsibility um, hopefully will resonate with others to do what they can on their own too. Absolutely. But will I have an impact? Am I trying to be a messiah of sorts? No. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's too pompous. Okay. I just do my little bit and I hope it resonates. Wow, that was extremely powerful. And, um, you know, just closing off, Vanna, thank you once again for for coming on from my lens podcast it really means a lot to me i really appreciate it i'm so grateful that you give me a voice and a platform and i truly feel privileged thank you so much banna for joining us today and for those of you who want to know more about banna and follow her sustainable lifestyle please follow her on her instagram handle at behave banna and i have also linked in her tedx talk in the description until then i'll see you guys next time Bye now. Welcome to From My Lens Podcast, where I talk about mindfulness, sustainable lifestyle, and how to be location independent. I also invite digital nomads and entrepreneurs to share their expertise and knowledge. Today, I have a special guest talking and sharing her views on sustainable lifestyle and fashion.